I will feast at the table of the Lord. I will feast at the table of the Lord. I won't hunger anymore. Welcome to the table. You are listening to the Kingstown Communion podcast with lead pastor Michelle Matthews. The Kingstown Communion is a new United Methodist Church existing to gather people into communion with Jesus Christ through courageous conversation, creative community, and collaborating for the common good. We worship at Island Creek Elementary School, 7855 Morning View Lane, every Sunday at 10 a.m. For more information about upcoming events and opportunities to serve, visit our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Kingstown Communion. We're glad that you're listening along with us. If you live close by, we hope you'll join us for worship in person. And if you ever feel so inclined to help us by giving financially, you can do so on our website, kingstowncommunion.net. Let's pray. 
God, thank you for the gift of scripture and how that it, it's never what we think it is. Open our eyes and ears to what you might have to say to us. And if there are people in this room who think that they have got gratitude figured out, um, break them down. And if there are people in this room who think they don't need to learn it, they, they're already bored, uh, wake them up. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So a few weeks ago, I received a small card in the mail, and I pulled it out of its envelope. That light is bad. I pulled it out of its envelope, and I admired how, how thick the card was, and how beautiful it was, and, and how velvety the stationery was. It was one of those, like, it was so formal and so traditional. Uh, you, don't get, you don't see this kind of stationery very often. It's rare. Um, and there was a single word embossed across the front that said, grateful. And so I opened it to read the first line and this beautiful cursive inside. Thank you so much for the lovely thank you note. <laughs> and I read it again just to make sure I did you? Did I just get a thank you note for a thank you note? Uh, so now what comes after that? Yeah. <laughs> what comes after? What's the next step after a thank you note for a thank you note? And what is the, what are, was their expectation of me in this case? Do I send the thank you note for the thank you note received for my thank you note? Was there, is there a rule about this? I've, I've never been good at these things, ever. This, but this one seems a little extreme. I mean, writing the original note for me was hard enough. I, it took intentionality, it took time, it took me remembering to do it, and I consider the original writing of any note that I write a triumph on my part. <laughs> but now, uh, should I return thanks again? This could go on forever. <laughs> but suddenly, I started to feel like the little girl whose mother forced her to write thank you notes for all of her birthday presents. I remember my mom sitting me down and insisting that I write something to everybody. And at an early age, I was abnormally good at cursive, and so I usually wrote in big, swirly letters the word, thanks, Michelle. And I remember complaining about it all the time. I complained about it, then suddenly one Christmas, it just so happened that a small, pocket-sized etiquette book showed up in my stocking with a bookmark inside, not so subtly placed right before the chapter how to write a thank you note. And so I got the point, but I did not improve my practice at all. Uh, and I've tried to teach myself to write thank you notes in adulthood, and I'm not consistent. Sometimes I'm good at it, not as good as I should be, and I don't manage to send a card for every gift I get, but I try for the meaningful moments in life to remember and send a card. Um, but honestly, I've always, I've always struggled with gratitude. I want to be grateful, but I too often feel guilty of not giving enough thanks all the time. And so the guilt then makes me not want to be grateful and not being grateful makes me have more guilt. And it's this cycle. And this is the difficulty of gratitude. Oddly enough, though, whatever my shortcomings in the practice of it, the concept of gratitude has always captivated me. 
As a preteen, I hated when my mom told me to write those thank you notes, but I also loved, ironically, to collect beautiful stationery that I never used. And then, as a teenager, I remember coming home after school and watching the Oprah Winfrey show. Um, and there was a guest on there one day that was talking about the power of gratitude and how it changed her life and how she had a gratitude journal. And so I felt inspired by her story and I decided I needed a gratitude journal. And that lasted for one week. <laughs> and then at one point, somebody gave me the idea, there was a noble idea, it wasn't my own, of making gratitude a part of my evening, that I would have a moment before bedtime, some kind of ritual. And I did it like twice. And then, and then there's that painful Thanksgiving dinner exercise in which no one eats until everyone at the table says something they're thankful for. And I remember it feeling like a turkey hostage situation <laughs> rather than a spiritual exercise. It was supposed, somehow it was supposed to make me feel better. And I was thankful, but for, more for the fact that it ended and we could eat. And so I confess to you that as we begin this series called Grateful Together, I am a complete gratitude klutz, which made me feel pretty guilty and hopeless when I read a recent American religion and spirituality study survey that asked how often do you feel a strong sense of gratitude or thankfulness and 78% of Americans responded saying that they felt strongly thankful in some way at least once every week. The options were at least once a week, once or twice a month, several times a year, Seldom, never, and 78% of Americans said once a week. And this wave of guilt comes over me. Like, is that real? Like, I, and if so, I'm not sure I'm one of them. What, what kind of horrible person am I? I have expected my mom to appear and re-gift me with an etiquette guide. Uh, maybe I'm more than just a gratitude klutz. Maybe I am just an ungrateful person. Did I truly not have moments of gratitude or did they just bypass me without rec recognition, maybe? Whatever the case, the 78% made me feel really lonely until I started asking all my other friends. And remarkably, their responses were like, what? Eight out of 10 people said that people are not that grateful. Let's be honest. I'd like, they didn't believe it either. It says that nearly 80% of Americans say they feel deep gratitude at least once a week. Could that possibly be true? And so I read on in the study. And remarkably, the same study found that nearly 80% of Americans feel grateful at least once a week, also reported that 80% of Americans feel angry and discontented and dissatisfied often, and that Americans are driven more than ever by fear and entitlement and even rage. Therein lies the difficulty of gratitude. How could both be true? And is it the same 80%? And so digging deeper, I came across the concept called social desirability bias. And I never heard it formally named like this before, but I know what it is, you'll know what it is. It occurs when people answer a question in a way that makes them look good to themselves and to others 
that matches the image of whatever kind of person they aspire to be. In other words, it means that there is this high percentage of people like me who know that gratitude is good and, and they want to be grateful, to feel grateful, to be seen as grateful people in the world. And they believe that gratitude is truly virtuous, but inwardly they know how difficult it is to practice and sustain thanksgiving. And so these statistics, they point to a problem, to a gratitude gap between our private feelings and our public attitude and actions, how we live that out. And it's difficult. And there's this gratitude gap, this chasm in all of our lives, and this gap we find at the heart of the scripture today. Jesus is nearing his cross. His three years of ministry are almost complete. And he's traveling to Jerusalem with his disciples along the border between Samaria and Galilee. It's important to remember that Samaritans who had intermarried with other people groups were slandered as half-breeds by the Jews. And over the years, tension between the full-blooded Jews and the half-blooded Jews of Samaria had boiled and brewed into this conflict. And they hated each other. And then Jesus comes along and starts telling stories about a good Samaritan and having conversations with adulterous Samaritan women at wells. And now it's like he's baiting them. He's walking the borderline between their mutual hate. And while he's in this land, this in-between land, between Galilee and Samaria, ten lepers call out to him. And they're disfigured and they believe to be, they're believed by everybody to be highly contagious. And so they've been sent out into the borderland. They've been sent out of their communities, whether from Galilee or, to, or from Samaria, to live together in leper colonies outside of town along the border. And they've heard about Jesus, and they recognize him, and then they cry out. And they say, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And they call out, and they don't come near, though. They're afraid to touch Jesus. They're unclean. All they can remember their whole lives is distance and avoidance. But Jesus comes straight to them and speaks to them, and he sends them to a priest to show them to show themselves and to be healed, and they are restored in their body, and they are brought back into the community. And then this story that seems to be about healing, another miraculous miracle among the many that Jesus does, it takes a turn. It seemed to be about healing, but for Luke, we learn it's about gratitude, or rather, the difficulty of gratitude. There seems to be here a, a, this gratitude gap as well. As the story continues, it says that one of them, after being healed, before the priest, one of the, one of the ten runs back to Jesus, praising God with exuberant shouts of gratitude. And this one now cleansed of his leprosy, who Luke makes sure to let us know was, a, was from Samaria, lays prostrate on the ground and offers what feels like unending thanks for his healing. And there's ten lepers all healed, and only one of the ten come back to thank Jesus. What is this gap in gratitude? And then we know how it goes throughout the years of talking about this story, that one exceedingly grateful, cleansed Samaritan has gotten all the glory, 
and the rest have gotten all the shame. Where are they? Why on earth didn't did only the one come back? What were the other nine doing? Were, were they gratitude klutzes too, like me, wondering if they needed to send a thank you note? Or, or worse, were they just deeply ungrateful people? What is this gap in gratitude? Like with the gap, the problem of gratitude that seems to leap off the pages of that study that I was reading, Luke 17 leaves me captivated and curious and also a little concerned, wondering for those nine if there is some kind of similar disparity between their private feelings that maybe we don't know about and their public actions. Maybe they were grateful and we are left no knowledge of their inner journey or exchange of their thank you notes, no knowledge of their gratitude journals or evening reflections over dinner around a table. Maybe they tried on gratitude in a hundred different ways, like new clothes after being cleansed, or maybe they wanted to be grateful, but like me, had trouble practicing it and are only offered condemnation for what the one did that they did not do. What is this gap of gratitude? Believe it or not, there are people who study gratitude. There are sociologists and social scientists who study this phenomenon of gratitude, who have tried to name this gap for us, this, these two disparate parts of gratitude. On one hand, they lift up gratitude as this personal path to peace and health and contentment. And on the other hand, they lift up gratitude as something beyond our private practice, something that benefits society and strengthens communities. The first is the me. How do I cultivate and practice gratitude? And how have the experiences of my life, all of the intricacies of my personal life, contributed to this difficulty? And how has my understanding of God made this hard for me? And then the second is the we. What might it mean to live together as a thankful society? with an intuitive awareness of others and, and care for each other in community. There's the me and there's the we. And here's the thing, I may struggle with personal gratitude and you may struggle with personal gratitude. Nine out of 10 cleansed lepers may struggle with personal gratitude. But there's one thing I know, a quick look, a quick glance at the news shows that we are completely failing at communal thanksgiving. We are anxious and angry and haunted by nightmares of scarcity and fear and the sense that there's never enough and anything good lasts in our psyche for maybe a day until it's replaced with all the things that are wrong with the world again. We are failing at creating a community of gratitude I wonder if it's because our understanding of what it means to be grateful is all kinds of skewed. I wonder if we struggle with personal gratitude and completely fail at communal thanksgiving because we really don't know what gratitude is. Is it a feeling? 
Is it some kind of like Marie Kondo spark of joy when something beautiful happens in my life? Or maybe it's a practice. Like, do I send a thank you note in response to a thank you note that, um, well, that was a thank you note. I, don't, I didn't get that right. But is, is there a thank you note? Is that what it is? Or what about maybe it's a moral disposition? Maybe it's a virtue of goodness that I share with others around the Thanksgiving table, or I share with others at my common table. Maybe it's that. Or perhaps it's some kind of civic obligation, like serving the homeless, because God has given me so much I have to be thankful for. But we know that none of these serve us well completely, and they often leave us feeling guilty and inept and like the ungrateful 20%. Thankfully, though, Jesus gives us this whole other alternative structure of gratitude, and we almost miss it in this story. After asking where the other nine are, Jesus does not wait for an answer. Doesn't need an answer. It doesn't seem to care of whether they feel grateful or plan to send a message of Thanksgiving later. He doesn't seem to need an explanation of whether they're sharing gratitude around their dinner tables or not, or serving the poor to pass it on. Instead, Jesus says, get up and go. It's your faith that has made you well. Not your gratitude, this story that's all about gratitude. Not your gratitude, your faith. Your faith is not a feeling or a practice. It's not a moral disposition or a civic obligation. Faith is not a personal feeling or a public action. It's a gift. Jesus gives this whole other structure of gratefulness, one that holds out this new spiritual and ethical transformation, that of gift and response. And in this new structure, gifts exist before and beyond the benefactors who receive them. Life is a gift. Air and light and soil and water are gifts. And friendship and love and sex and family are gifts. Not because of us, not to us, not for us, but like faith in spite of us, not by our merits, but only by God's grace. And we are all beneficiaries who are all invited merely to respond to these gifts by choosing a life of mutual care. The structure of gratitude Jesus gives us is just a way of being. It's gift and response. And Jesus is not applauding the one for his acts of gratitude. I think he is at first. He's reminding the one that the healing was a gift, birthed out of faith, which is a gift, and that they are all benefactors invited to respond with their very lives, the one who came back to praise and all the other nine who didn't. And, and throughout this series, we're going to continue to unpack what this way of being, what this structure of gift and response gratitude looks like. But I want to help us begin exploring it. So take a look at this. I, um, 
American um, theologian and historian of um, American Christianity, Diana Butler Bass, um, gave this diagram uh, as she began to think about gratitude. Gratitude is this gift and response way of life, and it's dynamic. And at its most basic level, yes, it does involve two aspects of experience of our emotions, which are the feelings we have in response to the gift, and of our ethics, which are the actions in which we respond to the gift. And they both function with these two arenas in our lives. They function in, in these two arenas of me and we, of personal and public. For whatever reason though, most of us are lacking the integration and the wholeness of this gift, of this way of being. And because of our past or our life experiences, we gravitate or overemphasize one over the other, picking up expectations of others and personal guilt and weird understandings of God and how God responds and, and, and lives in relationship with us and how we are to be gra grateful and what that means. And, we're left feeling completely inept or overcompensating for this sense of gratitude we long to feel. And so take a look at this for a second. And think for a second as I, as I explain these where you might fall here. Maybe you tend to emphasize the me and the emotions. You're probably pretty good at that inner sense of awe and surprise and appreciation that kind of comes naturally to you you probably have strong feelings when someone helps you or serves you or gives you a gift maybe gratitude for you has been defined as this kind of delight joy surprise that's the me and emotions or maybe you tend to emphasize the me and ethics you might experience gratitude as a moral or ritual response to a favor extended to you, like returning a din dinner invitation or writing a thank you note. Maybe thank you notes mean the world to you. Maybe I should have written that thank you note to you. Or repaying personal obligations naturally. You tend to think of gratitude in terms of individual responsibility and reciprocity. And you tend to think about your faith like that too. Or maybe you emphasize the we and emotions, and gratitude might well up in your heart, but it usually happens when you're with other people. Like you're singing a national anthem, or celebrating the victory of a favorite sports team, or worshiping in church, or gathering around the family table at Thanksgiving. You experience gratitude for family, and community, and national celebration, and festivity. Or finally, Maybe you emphasize the we in ethics, and you might define gratitude as social responsibility that demands action through public commitments like charity and stewardship and mission and volunteerism and social institutions and giving your time and your money comes actually pretty easy to you because you believe that gratitude is an essential foundation to community life and you take pride in doing good. We each have an affinity of one or two and they emerge from our personalities and our life experiences. 
and our faith backgrounds and what we learned in school and what we learned from our parents, what etiquette books were pushed into your stocking, and what we learned about God early on. And what we're going to do is talk over the next couple of weeks is how thinking of gratitude is only one aspect of this larger way of being. How thinking of it like that, it's one, the way you are is only one aspect of this larger wholeness, this lar larger balance of gratitude until you do feel like you're overflowing with it. And that's why gratitude is so difficult. But Jesus says, to the one who returned, Jesus says to you too, all of life is a gift that your gratitude will never repay. And you're all invited to respond to this gift. This is the way that leads to life. It is your faith, not an act of praise or an inward feeling but an integrated wholeness that God gives you the gift to have and to live through God's grace that will make you well. That's the message for the leper. That's the message for you. And we'll begin to unpack it in the next couple of weeks. Would you pray with me? We know gratitude, gratitude is not some pie chart, and that whatever is on the screen is, is not the real day-to-day -day life, and there are people in this room who are thinking, but you don't know how difficult it is for me. You don't know, you don't know, you don't know my experiences. I, I struggle finding God in things, finding God in my past. There's people here who gratitude has just been so enmeshed in their language and in their conversation about faith that uh, they may feel a little deconstructed today, like they maybe not know what it is. And, and if, if it's just a feeling or if it's just a conversation and it's not rooted in and your grace flowing through our lives, maybe that's, that's a lot for us to take today. If I, if I don't just set aside time every night, if, if the setting aside the time every night to be grateful or the writing in my journal is not, is not it, how do I do it then? What is this? God, we, uh, as we move towards Thanksgiving, knowing that it has nothing to do with Thanksgiving. We desire to be a grateful people and to learn better what that is, what that means for our lives, and how we who struggle through this personally can begin to live it out in the world where we are failing to be a community of Thanksgiving. Forgive us, God for the ways we contribute to that, for the ways we don't cling to your goodness, but we allow it to just roll away and we're brought back in contact with everything that's wrong with the world again. We pray that prayer together. 
he taught us to pray around table and thanksgiving with one another. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. This is the day you have made. Whatever comes, I won't complain. For all my hope is in your name, and your joy always my praise. Give thanks for all you have done, and I will sing of your mercy and your